Word, I'm gonna say the word. In the beginning was the word. What? Word. 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 Was the word. From the studios of KJZZ in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to Word, a podcast about literature in Arizona and the region. Here's your host, Tom Maxidon. Coming up on Word, we're back from spring break with new convos about Kid Lit, National Poetry Month, and the upcoming Tucson Poetry Festival. We're going to have four workshops, and three of them will be in-person events, and one will be a Zoom event. And the evening event is a reading at the Tucson Museum of Art. It's going to be outside in the Sculpture Garden, and that will be a live event. Plus, some poets in the Valley prepare to go geopolitical versus Vladimir Putin's war against Ukraine. I feel like you kind of deal looking at stuff on social media and you just feel not useless, but just like, oh my God, there's something horrible going on in another country and I'm just sitting here looking at my phone. But first, Arizona State University alum and Awatuki author Lauren Toper just released a children's book, Sprinkle the Dog. It's a book about a dog with a disability. The book does draw some inspiration from my real life. So Sprinkle the Dog was inspired by my own dog, Karma, who is also a Jack Russell Terrier mix. And we see her journey through her diagnosis of IVDD, which is intervertebral disc degenerative disorder. This is something that affects about 2% of all dogs. And it is something that my own dog, Karma, also has. So the book was very much inspired by Karma's own journey and how my husband and I have supported her through that. Maybe you could describe a little bit some of the symptoms and kind of the complications. I've never heard of that before. Well, like you, I had never heard of it either, um, which is why I wanted to publish this book. I I had no idea what it was. So IVDD is essentially a spinal disorder. In humans, we think of it as a bad back or um, when there's compression happening in our spine. So very much like it affects humans. It is painful for animals as well. So if you've ever seen a dog with a mobility aid, like a wheelchair, they likely have IVDD and those mobility aids help them get around. And in Sprinkle the Dog, we see Sprinkle go from her injury, her disorder to seeing a veterinarian, getting her wheelchair and living a happy, healthy life. I mean, I imagine this is something, but correct me if I'm wrong, that is genetic, but could it also be caused by an injury? Yes. So there are primarily two different ways that this can happen. One is genetic. Um, Some breeds are more um, prone to get this than others. So dachshunds and small terriers, it is more genetic. It can also be age-related. So some older dogs may encounter this issue as they age. And it can happen through an injury as well. So any wild jumps, um, twisting of the spine. If you have a very active dog, like my dog is very active. She's very springy. She's constantly running around and jumping from here to there. A minor tweak, a minor twist, that can definitely bring on um, IVDD. Oh, wow. Sprinkle, where does that name come from? That's cute. I love that you say it's cute. I think it's great for kids. Sprinkle, it's just kind of fun and... I really can't tell you exactly where it came from. It was just one of those names that it just sounds like a classic sweet dog name. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I don't know. I just get this vision of like a dog that sort of bounces around, kind of cartoonish, right? Sprinkling happiness and joy everywhere. Yes. What do you like about children's literature and, and why did you choose this? I mean, I'm assuming this is your first effort at this, right? 
This is my first children's book, and I can tell you a little bit of how it came to be. So early in the pandemic in 2020, I was experimenting with kind of where I wanted to go in my career. What were the creative outlets I wanted to pursue? So I started writing more for myself. I was exploring poetry. I was getting into photography. I was just trying to find a creative outlet. And Sprinkle was one of those creative endeavors and it just kind of caught. So after I wrote the story, I sat on it for a little while and I asked my cousin, who is a very talented artist, if she would want to illustrate the book. And she was definitely on board and so happy to be involved. And I think she did a great job. So that's essentially how it came to be. What I do like about Children's Lit Although I don't have my own children, there are a lot of children in my extended family, and I have a lot of friends with small kids as well. So children's books are a great way to connect with those next generation of young readers. And Sprinkle especially, I think, is kind of a jumping off point or can be a conversation piece for parents and children to have conversations not only about disability, but what it's like to go to the doctor. So in the book, we see Sprinkle go to the veterinarian. So that could be a conversation point of this is what it's like to go to the doctor. They're helpful. It's not scary. We deal with social interactions in the book too. We talk a lot about Sprinkle's feelings and how she's feeling and how her family's feeling. So ultimately, the, a great thing about children's literature is that it really does serve as a conversation starter for parents and kids. Sprinkle the Dog is a new title available Lauren Topor, I want to thank you so much for coming to Word and talking to us about your children's book. Thank you so much, Tom. It's been lovely speaking with you. And because who doesn't like dogs, you can see a picture of Karma, one of the inspirations for Sprinkle the Dog, by kid-lit author Lauren Topor on our website, word.kjzz.org. Coming up, a collection of poems about heroin addiction and a preview of the upcoming Tucson Poetry Festival, which happens later this month. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word. It's a podcast about literature in Arizona and the region. Whether you spend a rush hour in the car or in the kitchen, All Things Considered from KJZZ and NPR is there. Get up to date while you're getting home or getting dinner started. Listen to KJZZ between 3 and 6 on 91.5 or the mobile app. Every day, you listen to KJZZ for fact-based news, and here's a way to help ensure that the news will stay on the air. When you buy a new car, donate your old one to KJZZ. We'll take care of the details. More information at cars.kjzz.org. Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. It's April, of course, and someone some time ago designated the month as National Poetry Month. So we're running with that. Eleanor Kedney is the MC of the upcoming Tucson Poetry Festival later this month. In 2020, she released her collection of poems, Between the Earth and Sky. It's about her brother's heroin addiction, and that's where we began our recent discussion. When I wrote it, I was after an emotional truth, and I learned something from writing the book that we could feel one way in one moment and another way in another moment, and I wanted to examine heroin addiction from many aspects. And um, one thing that I could say about it being more of a particularization is the narrator of the book goes very close at addiction. And there are poems about identifying my brother's body, which puts the reader at a morgue. A bumper sticker is about a brother's work truck. 
I'm finding it in the Bronx while he's in a coma. And the title poem of the book is the final days of, you know, a brother in ICU in the Bronx, his wake, his burial. And a poem called After a Monsoon is about vulnerability. But ultimately, the book also addresses forgiveness. Poetry has the ability to shift perception, and the book is about forgiveness. And for many, many years, I was very, very angry at my brother, and I tried to find forgiveness. And I think that I forgave him, and then it would just come back up again. But the book also has seven river poems. And those river poems really examine addiction and look at heroin withdrawals. And one of them is called Deltas. And in there, the narrator has lunch with a friend of uh, her brother's and he is now clean. He's been a heroin addict. He's now clean and he's married. He's got a good job. He's got a beautiful daughter. And he says, there isn't a day I don't want the heroin. And that line brought me to forgiveness. I think forgiveness is difficult for many people for many different instances. What was it that you could not simply forgive your brother for? Um, Stealing from the family, stealing things from me, uh, getting into trouble, going to prison, ruining family get-togethers, and the distance, the emotional distance and how we all couldn't figure out how to help him. And it's interesting because recently a cousin has, he's, he's been addicted to heroin and he was clean for five years and he started using again. And I was able to say to his mother, he didn't do that to you, go back on the heroin. It took a long time to realize that the things that my brother did and really in many ways stole my childhood from me. I felt that He didn't have control over it. And that line, there isn't a day I don't want the heroin. He didn't really have control over it. Addiction is something I now understand very differently than the personal experience of someone did this to my family. Someone did this to me. Why couldn't he be a better brother? I want to switch gears, Eleanor. You are the founder and director of the Writers Studio Tucson, which, as I understand, is a chapter of a national organization. Is that right? Yes. And actually, I retired. The current director is now Renee Bibby. Okay. Uh, she was a student of mine, but I had taken classes in New York City with Philip Schultz, who's the founder and founded the school in 1987. And when I moved to Arizona, we started doing tutorials together. So I still studied with Phil and we both talked about me teaching, but we were wondering how could that be? I'm no longer in New York. And so I started the first branch of the Writer's Studio here in Tucson. And it began with offering a free class at Casa Libre in town and explaining the method to people and developing the program from a level one class all the way up to the master classes. I think it's difficult for a lot of beginning writers to understand just how important revision is. Was that one of the hallmarks that you taught? Revision is important, but what was the focus of the writer's studio was about getting people to understand what they were good at and how to develop the craft they needed to be able to say anything they wanted to write about. I really believed in the method, and the method breaks down other writers' work in terms of the writer's narrative techniques that they use to make the material strong, make the poem strong, so that writers could 
practice that material, practice that, say, a first-person narrative poem. They could practice the techniques of another writer and apply it as a strategy to their own work. And eventually what they would do is have a toolkit of many different strategies to reach for when they wanted to write about something. So I found that this gave people a really strong foundation in craft. And from there, it would launch them into writing some of their best work. Yeah, and you simply can't expect to be a good writer if you're not a good reader. And so I like that approach by reading across disciplines, reading across genre, reading multiple authors from all over the world. That's really how you learn craft in many ways. Absolutely. Learning to read as a writer is important. Not just, okay, I enjoy this, but why? Why is it working? Why did it move me? Understanding how to break down the lines. How did the writer begin the poem? It's a deep investigation in that regard, and we hope people will investigate the upcoming Tucson Poetry Festival. That's April 23rd through the 24th. We've gotten really used to teleconferencing software like we're using right now for events, but people are also looking to get back to -to face-to-face or in-person events. So will this be a hybrid event with both virtual and in-person appearances? I'll say it's hybrid, but mostly in-person. We're going to have four workshops on Saturday, beginning at 11 o'clock and ending at 4.30. And three of them will be in-person events and one will be a Zoom event. So those are listed up on the website. And the evening event is a reading at the Tucson Museum of Art. It's going to be outside in the sculpture garden and that will be a live event. Okay. And we will link to that on our own website. Can you tell me about some of the headliners? Susan Brianti, um, who's the author most recently of Defacing the Monument, writes about immigration, archives, aesthetics, and and the state. And she's a winner of the Poetry Foundation's Pegasus Award for Poetry Criticism in 2021. So she's one of our readers. Lauren Camps, the author of five books, most recently Took House from Tupelo Press. She's another author. We also have T.C. Tolbert, and he will be reading from his new work as well. And I'll also be reading from Between the Earth and Sky. Eleanor Kedney, I want to thank you so much for coming to Word, talking to us a little bit about your most recent work, Between the Earth and Sky, and of course, also the upcoming Tucson Poetry Festival. Eleanor, thanks again. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate your support. You can find out a bit more about Eleanor Kedney and the Tucson Poetry Festival on our website at word.kjzz.org. Coming up, a Valley poet and publisher is hosting a demonstration in Phoenix to support Ukraine as part of National Poetry Month. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word, a podcast about literature in Arizona and the region. On Morning Edition, you get a variety of interesting stories and conversations, deep dives, and breaking news. All available whenever you listen. On the patio, at the gym, in the car. The news is not always fun. But with Morning Edition on KJZZ, it is never boring. Listen every day from 5 until 9 on 91.5 at kjzz.org. You have your favorites. Favorite online store, favorite park to take the kids or the dog. It's the season to get out of the house. And KJZZ is your favorite news station. Stay connected to important updates and entertainment. The number one news station in the Valley and your source for all your favorites. Become a member today at KJZZ.org. Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. I love to sit in the garden after a turbulent storm. 
so that I may behold the growth of a new sprout, which begged for life as it fought drowning. Mystery with every leaf, in every ventricle, as it bathes. Proudly in the human sun, it reminds me of you. Curious on what roads this may hold. Dare I to dream? Are you the sun, with breath hot and dewy against my throat, or likened to soil as each finger's digs through the piles parallel to the earth and the smell of mire. Maybe these questions hold me back, like watching the yellow wallpaper, but my mouth drips with saliva as I watch from across the room at the side of Apollo before me, begging not to bleed from your thorns. That was Racing by Valley Poet and Publisher Callan Fuqua, who steers a group called Deadbeat Poet Society and also publishes a zine. Fuqua and other poets are holding a protest against war in Ukraine April 23rd in Phoenix. The name for the group was inspired by the movie Dead Poets Society, starring Robin Williams and Ethan Hawke. I think I watched that movie when I was 14 or 15, and I, I watched it for the first time, and I don't know, it it kind of like connected with me on a personal level. I'm very much a person where like my writing doesn't come from just out of nowhere like it's usually from inspirations or stuff that's going on in my life and it just that kind of was what the movie seemed to like encapsulate was just you know the emotions of being a teenager and art and music and trying to live authentically rather than you know live under the oppressiveness of that school in the movie but I think it's been hard to live authentically, as you described, the last couple of years. I mean, I don't know about you, but yes. 2020 felt like its own decade. I felt like 2021 was a little bit faster. As we're just into 2022 here, I feel like the speed of the year is picking up even more than last year. I don't know about you, but there's more in-person events. Do you feel like things are picking up? Things are getting back to a little bit more of a sense of... I don't know if I would say normalcy, but I don't know, moving past where we've been? Yeah, I, I don't know if I would call it moving past necessarily. I, I know a few people who have been trying to put events together and they're still being cautious. At least for myself, I've, I've put on my own events that I'm still continuing to do. And so far, the events that I've had, they haven't been more than, I don't know, maybe 10 people or so. But in the event they were to be more, um, I would be definitely a lot more strict about, you know, wearing masks and, and vaccinations and things like that. So I think they're aware of it, but they're also trying to like build a new normal. <laughs> In my own opinion, yeah, I think that's right. how it's been. Deadbeat Poet Society has a zine as well. Callan, how frequently do you put out issues and what do you look for in determining what gets published? It's every two months, uh, just because it's run by me. <laughs> so I give myself some time right. to like accept submissions and you know edit and do stuff like that. But um, I have kind of decided through trial and error just to do about six a year, and they're all themed. Um, honestly, I think just from experience of what I've heard from other people that um, magazine or you know whatever kind of submissions that accept writing they're sort of vague but I think having like a relative prompt for a theme can be at least helpful from what I've been doing and then I just kind of like research on my own and you know pick which 
make sense and kind of make it artistic themed ish and then kind of go from there. But it accepts poetry and kind of like short stories, I would say. I like that idea. In fact, I think I see that more and more frequently on various, you know, well, I guess we used to call them TV shows, but we could say series because there's so much streaming. You know, you have a whole season that's built around kind of one thematic element instead of each episode has a different kind of theme. Do you at all draw any inspiration from that? Definitely. Um, There are ones that I've been doing. um, I've been kind of getting into like Japanese culture and sort of learning about like myths and, you know, even like the whole darker side of there's a whole encyclopedia of demons and monsters and stuff like that. And I took from one just kind of like they have different phrasing of uh, the one that I just put out. Kogarashi is the name of like the coming of winter. So it's like picking those sort of themes. And the next one that's coming out, when is the submission period open and when do you hope to have it published? May 6th is the deadline. I've just called it uh, Gemini. Um, Gemini for me is like some people kind of experience either like doppelgangers or the regret you feel or kind of, I don't know, some people can kind of deal with like the duality of their life of maybe they're trying to get better, but they're kind of being played by their past or something like that. But I usually get them published two weeks after the deadline. So that'll be the same in this case. One of the main reasons we wanted to talk to you apart from what you've been doing with Deadbeat Poet Society in terms of publishing and the various sort of coffee events that you might have and other literary events is an upcoming one. And that has to deal with, I won't call it Russia's war against Ukraine. Frankly, I think I would point it at Vladimir Putin's war against Ukraine. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're planning for April? So the one that I'm doing April 23rd at a Margaret T. Hans Park, it's in Phoenix. It's like a poetry demonstration, kind of like uh, dealing with censorship or kind of like oppression and having poems basically be about that. My kind of reasoning for it was basically just You know, I feel like you kind of see these things, you deal looking at stuff on social media and you just kind of feel not useless, but just like, oh my God, there's something horrible going on in another country. And I'm just sitting here looking at my phone, (laughs) but, um, you know, there could be something that even if, you know, it could be a little bit of money that could go towards an organization that actually is on the front lines and actually is doing things about, you know, what's going on. I think that's worth at least something. Certainly free speech is worth something. I think a lot of times we take it for granted. Mm -hmm. And obviously folks in Russia do not experience the type of free speech that we have here in the United States. We can talk about degrees of speech that we disagree with, but the ability to speak it in the first place is something that we should maybe treasure a little bit more. It's definitely a privilege. The the ability to express ourselves in multiple ways. Is that also part and parcel behind this upcoming event? And by the way, what is it called? I called it to Ukraine Poetry Against War. It has the versatility for talking about expressing yourself or talking about just the emotions that come with the war in general. But it's kind of like a mixture of all of those. 
Kellen, thanks for coming to Word and talking to us about Deadbeat Poets Society, the upcoming April 23rd protest of the war against Ukraine here in Phoenix at Margaret T. Hans Park, and also the deadline for Gemini, your upcoming zine. Thanks again, Callan. Thank you. You can find out a bit more about Callan Fuqua, Deadbeat Poet Society, and the upcoming poetry demonstration to Ukraine, Poetry Against War, on our website, word.kjzz.org. We'll be back later this month with another episode spotlighting National Poetry Month. I'm Tom Maxidon. Thanks so much for supporting public radio, as well as literature in Arizona and the region. Word. Word? Word. What's the word? Thanks for listening to Word, a podcast about literature in Arizona and the region. You can find all episodes online at word.kjzz.org or wherever you get your podcasts.